I want you to turn your Bible to Joshua chapter 10, verse 12. Because see, I want you to remember something. God is bigger than any problem we face. He actually has told us that throughout his word, throughout the centuries, in so many different ways, through so many different people, showing us the incredible miracles and the power that nothing can stop. And whatever he wants to have done, it will be done. He is bigger than the coronavirus. He is bigger than any problem you're facing right now. Because we know the coronavirus, not only are people trying to avoid catching it, but we know that this pandemic is now causing an economic slowdown where, you know, people are, in some sense, and many people are panicking, and you see the stock market. The stock market is really like a heartbeat. It shows the emotions of people. And people tend to react in fear because if you don't have and you're not growing in faith, then you're going to be growing and building in fear. And you're going to be reacting instead of responding. In the Bible, prayer stopped storms, calmed waves, healed the sick, raised the dead, and even stopped time. And in Matthew 19, 26, with God, all things are possible. So let's look in Joshua 10, because here is actually a time where it's never happened before, where actually God stopped time. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon. And you, moon, over the valley of Elijah. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jazar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down for a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Now you see, not only is it amazing that God is so powerful, he can see that sun and go, you know what, son? I'm going to stop the whole moving of gravity and the forces to be. Everything stop. No planets are going to evolve around one another. The sun, which is 93 million miles away from us, is going to stand still and not rotate for 24 hours, and same with the moon. We skipped a day. Talk about daylight savings time. How you doing? That's big time. But the thing that fascinates me the most, for those of us who are faithful disciples. Verse 14. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. God has made it clear in other ways in the scriptures that there have been human beings pleading with God in prayer that they persuaded God to change his mind. Do you believe you can do that if it's according to his will? This man didn't pray, stop the sun for me to show all the warriors and the men in battle that I am powerful and I got a special connection with you. No. He said, God, thy will be done. We need an extra day to get your will accomplished and overcome the wicked, evil people who are trying to wipe out your people. Abraham pleaded with God to spare the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah if they could have 10 righteous people in that city. But he went down from 50 to 40, and and God said, I'll do that if we can find that. Unfortunately, he didn't find more than 10 righteous people. 
but he was willing to be persuaded and listen to Moses appealing in prayer boldly and audacious. Because when you speak to God, God says you need to speak humbly, but with great confidence. He says you need to pray persistently. Turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 17. Do you feel like your prayers God listens to? Are your prayers the kind of prayers that God is even going, he's understanding how to walk with me? Because if you don't pray according to his will, then you haven't been moved to see the beautiful, invisible treasures. See, people that are scared to death of the coronavirus right now are scared to death of the invisible virus that they don't know if it's going to get them or not. And I can say that I don't know if it's going to get me or not. I'm washing my hands. I'm shooting people with darts if they come within six feet from me. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But I am, you know, staying away. But I've already surrendered. If I'm meant to have coronavirus, then I'm going to go through it and I'm going to go, God, I'm going to give you glory. And if I'm going to die, then I'm going to die, and it's going to give you glory. If I'm going to go bankrupt because the whole country is going to go upside down, the stock market is going to tank, and we're going to go into a Great Depression, I'm going to give you glory. Amen. Do I have fear and scared if I let my mind wander? Absolutely, but I don't. Because nothing is impossible with God. And God says that he listens to human beings when they pray according to his will. You know what my prayer is? My prayer is to go, God, thank you so much for this coronavirus because you allowed or caused it to happen. It wasn't an accident. God didn't say, oops, I wasn't paying attention. This virus got out of control. It came because God either sent it or allowed it. Right now, I think our world is more united than it's ever been, even though the world doesn't understand unity the way I'm talking about, I don't think. Every human being, whether they're communist, whether they're uh, democratic, whether they're Asian, Hispanic, India, Russia, American, Guatemalan, <laughs> Venezuelan, okay. Colombia, yeah. Italiano, <laughs> or Polish. Every human being has one enemy right now, and that's the coronavirus. Wow. Every country, every, doesn't matter what we are, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter if you're first, second, third world. Everybody now is communicating, and at first even some of the countries were reluctant because of pride to let the other countries know how bad it is, but now there's no choice. Now it gets to the grassroots, the bottom line, survival. And now there's nothing more important than helping each other survive, helping each other stay safe, even helping each other in social distancing. Look at Jeremiah 17, verse 5. This scripture needs to play out in the worst times and in the best times, and it should comfort you the same way. Amen. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man who draws strength from more, from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. So here is those who don't trust in God right now. You're struggling. You're afraid. You're anxious. Being anxious, you don't have to be told if you're anxious. It's the worst feeling ever. You can't even enjoy the present, the past, or even look forward to the future. You're stuck in this miserable position because you're afraid that something terrible is going to happen. Look in verse 7. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. 
It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Where are you at today? I don't know what's happening with your jobs. I know a lot of people in the hospitality industry and in the travel industry and, and, and the service industries are, are, are getting you know, sent home. And I'm not denying that can't be fearful. And I'm not saying I don't have fear at times either. We're all human beings. It's normal. But see, God is saying that's why he came. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why he wants us to know him. Not because we're going to be perfect, but we're going to continue to understand to go to him and draw from him that confidence that only comes through faith. Are you like a tree that's planted by the water. All of us have seen the big rivers with the huge oak trees coming out of the side of the bank. They're not even straight. They're kind of crooked, but they're so powerfully rooted. Green never, ever fails to bear fruit. And it says that's what we need to be like. We don't fear when heat comes. Well, I think some heat's come, guys. Yeah. Not only to Orlando, but the United States and the world. Heat's here. Every day you can look at the news, and if that's all you're looking at, and, and I think you should look. Some people go, I'm not going to look at the news. I don't watch the news. Well, that's fine. It's still coming. Yeah. So it's good to just see the state of people. I watched all the college students on spring break, which was sad, out on the beaches and together and so close, and they were smoking uh, the, the hookah pipes together. And, I don't care, man. I ain't missing my party week. No coronavirus is going to take me. And, you know, I, I thought for a minute, I go, you know, what? That, that would have been me. That was me, actually, when I was younger. So I don't look down on them. I just go, wow. Things change when you become a man of God and a person who pursues faith. Because I'm not afraid because God's with me, but I'm also going to be wise and I'm going to be humble. And I'm going to follow the direction of the authorities that are in place. In Romans 13, it says, obey your authorities. Amen. And we see the officials and the government and the health officials giving us advice and telling us what to do. And we may tend to go, it's exaggerated. I just think, follow the philosophy of God. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Listen to advice. And you're going to go well. Because you're trusting that God has put everything in place. Yeah. Are you worried that your leaves are starting to not stay green? Or better yet, the green may be going down in your bank account. The Bible says that one that has faith has no worries in a year of drought, never fails to bear fruit. You know, the, the U.S. has one week to enforce social distancing and flatten what they call the curve as the coronavirus outbreak escalates. Here's why these days are so critical. And this is from a human point of view, but God gave us science, doctors, and they actually can actually give us truth. And they're saying, if we don't do this, they're saying what they're predicting could be way worse than anyone can imagine. But once again, as we listen to that and take advice, we shouldn't go, oh, no, that's the ultimate authority. If God wanted to stop the coronavirus right now, just as he stopped the sun for a day, yeah. he could say it's over. Yeah. But we do need to be aware and prayerful, but not anxious and not fearful because God Almighty is our rock. Turn your Bibles to De Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 58. You know, plagues and diseases are not something that's uncommon. Even in our history, back 100 years, we can see some of the great plagues before modern medicine was there and before vaccines were invented. Several hundred years ago, polio vaccine, all these things, people that we take for that, we just think never, we don't even know it comes up, people died. But the Bible also said God allows it and causes it. And let's look here what God does with plagues and why he allows plagues to come or disaster. Uh, it says in verse 58 of Deuteronomy chapter 28, if you refuse to obey all the words of instruction that are written in this book, and if you do not fear the glorious and awesome name of the Lord your God, then the Lord will overwhelm you and your children with indescribable plagues. 
These plagues will be so intense and without relief, making you miserable and unbearingly sick. He will affect you with all the diseases of Egypt that you feared so much, and you will have no relief. The Lord will afflict you with every sickness and plague there is, even these not mentioned in this book of instruction until you're destroyed. Though you become as numerous as the stars in the sky, few of you will be left because you would not listen to the Lord, your God. I don't know about you. This is kind of chilling because he talks back way, way before in the Old Testament, thousands of years ago. He says he's going to afflict these people with every sickness and plague there is. And then he even says, I'm going to bring some new ones you never heard of. I'm going to bring uh, even those not mentioned in this book. I'm bringing new ones. And they didn't have uh, vaccines. All they knew was an invisible, and I don't even know they used the word virus. They just knew something came and struck their physical wellness, and they died, and they shriveled up, and they, you know, they just died. And I think back then they knew something was wrong, but they didn't have any diagnosis. They just saw someone got something. They don't know how they got it, and they died. See, when you get the coronavirus, they say it takes 14, 15 days. And then they say you're going to come down to it. See, you can even start getting worried. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, the first, when they start mentioning it, I'm driving home. I'm like, <coughs> is my throat is my throat sore? Yeah. I'm going to get some water. See if it's sore. <laughs> Do I have a sore throat? Is that allergies? And later on, maybe maybe you're them to say, is it hot? Do I feel hot? See, because you're worrying, you're focused on the wrong thing. Yeah. What you focus on is what you become. If you focus on fear, you're going to get more afraid, and then you're going to get hysterical fears, which don't do anybody any good. But let me ask you something. What is the reason God sent these plagues? Lack of obedience and respect for God and looking into God's word and seeking God. It's the same thing now. I go, oh, gosh, the coronavirus, this is hopefully going to get people's attention to go, wow, We are fragile. My money, my security, everything I maybe have looked in can't save me. We saw Tom Hanks and his wife. They got coronavirus. Now, I I don't know how they're doing, but they got it. And you would think, wow. We saw Kobe Bryant die in a helicopter crash that had nothing to do with the virus. The virus wasn't even mentioned. People die. Even the most powerful people that you would think are so insulated that they just think there's no way they, they could die. They have bodyguards, the best pilots, everything. People die. Do you obey God's word? Do you read God's word regularly? Because if you don't read God's word, if you say you obey God's word, you're back up in Jeremiah in verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 9, where it says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. That's where you are. Because that's what it says about all of us. Because we all want to kind of just uh, flatten the curve on our own brains and our own th- thoughts and think that we just are different. We just maybe are a little bit better. We just subconsciously, we're in the right place. If there is a God, I'm right. That means your heart is deceitful above all things. And until you get to the conviction that if God knows your heart, you should be scared to death if you have not been saved through the blood of Christ. Because even as we're saved people, we're just humble people going, we need to be saved. We need to stay saved. And we need God on our best day because of his love He decides to continue to give us rich mercy. He lavishes us with love and forgiveness and kindness. But we understand we are uncurable. It's a heart difference. Do you obey the word of God? And when you sin, do you obey the word of God and repent? Everybody sins. I wish I could say I have it down. I've walked with the Lord for 26 years. I still struggle with uh, anger, hurting my wife with disrespect, my daughter, my son, people. I wish I could be productive 24 hours a day like a machine. But I've learned to be self-controlled, and I continue to fight with the spirit that God gave me at baptism. Yeah. 
So I don't make excuses, but I still, on my best day, need grace. You know, Jesus is the source and fulfillment of all creation. He says he's the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. That's in Revelations 22, verse 13. The alpha and the omega, which means the first, the last, the beginning and the end. I started it all and I'll end it all. He's the greatest leader ever. He showed us how and led us, came down as a man and showed us and led us to the way to the Father through the cross. He led us and shows us, and today disciples who've been led are leaders to lead people and show them how the way is to get saved. Jesus says, I am the truth, I'm the way and the life. V, V, V. There's no other way. And he's the last. It's like a great commander in the military. There was a movie called We Were Soldiers, and the commander of the helicopter squad, the 1st Cavalry, he was the colonel. And he would be the, he would be the, when they got ready to board the helicopters, he would be the first man on the helicopter. And then they'd go on the mission, and then before they took off, he'd be the last man to get on the helicopter. Wow. Meaning, I'm not getting on till everybody that I'm in leading and everybody I'm there, their welfare is taken care of, and then I'll get on and we'll go. And Jesus has said, I've come to die, and I'm trying to draw all people to me, to the cross. But people don't listen. Even if the coronavirus is here, there's going to be many people that are going to get through this, and they may start to go to God like people that go into prison. They give them a Bible in, when they go in the prison, and when on the way out, many just leave it. Because it's a hard time, and when you're in a hard time and you've got nothing else to reach for, you reach for God. But do you stay with God? That's the true people. Come on. Allowing freedom to love means freedom to reject love. In order to have real relationships with people, God permits the possibility of no relationship. This logic is from why he made humans, free will choice. Theologically speaking, that nature has been endowed with a similar freedom. The sea that inspires can also flood. The ground that stands firm can also quake and give way. The microscopic organism that serves life can threaten to take it away. That's what's happening right now. Biology gives life God baptized science to him. Science was baptized into God. God gives life. God takes life. Historically, we've loved best when our humanity of life was at its worst. If you look at great crises, even when countries go through great uh, uh, earthquakes, you'll see other countries, natural relief services, giving and just sending their people. The forest fires within America, sending their people. World War II, all nations gathered. People just went to work. Women went to work in the 40s, and they, the manufacturing companies switched gears. Even now, the president's calling different companies to switch gears and start getting involved and using those billions of money that they've made, and a lot of companies are doing that. I heard just uh, one of our sisters has been sent home because uh, Ross is laying people off. They're, they're, they're paying her. Part-time, keeping her paid. And thank God for mercy in companies like that. Jesus says in John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. But Jesus assures us and says, take heart. I've overcome the world. Trouble. You can't get rid of it. Trouble is included in your life by God's design to expose your lack of faith or your faith, period. He sends trouble because he loves you, because without faith, you aren't going to get right, and you're going to die anyway, and dying apart from God is not good. With faith, 
hope and love, we can live with the tension between the beginning and the end. See, between I am the beginning and the end, I am the alpha and the omega, when you're born as a little child, I don't think anybody can remember any trouble they had till they were probably uh, six, seven, or eight, yeah. if, if you had a turbulent life. But when you be four or five, I don't know who you were, but you can't really remember anything except I was okay. Something happened for at least those five years or more that you, you somehow you got to hear. You were fed, you slept every night, you were bathed, you were cleaned, you didn't lose any limbs, you're alive. Yeah. Someone cared for you. And you don't even have a clue how it happened except the parents with your last name and the pictures you saw shows you that you were involved with their life, them carrying you through. Yeah. See, that's what God does for us now as adults, but we're still like little babies. Because if you don't have faith, you don't understand and give credit to the one who's really carrying you through. You're giving yourself credit when God gets the glory. With faith, hope, and love, we can live with tension between the beginning and the end, between anxiety and peace, between what is and what will come. See, there's only two ways you're going to live. You're going to live, and you're going to face the coronavirus, and you're going to face other challenges, and either you're going to have anxiety or peace, but either way, the trouble's coming. Trouble come my way, you got to pray sometimes. Trouble come my way, you got to pray sometime. Jesus is going to fix it, right? We sing that song. I, in this world, you will have trouble. But Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. And if you're in Christ, you will overcome the world. Matthew 6, 25. In Matthew 6, 25, to live, basically this says to live in, in, in the tension means refusing to worry about our lives and give way to panic. So let's read this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? It means resisting the urge to hoard for your own preservation. You saw, I saw some YouTube videos this week, which was just so sad to see the condition of what a human being could become. There was two ladies in a supermarket swinging and hitting each other because the lady that was, that was there first loaded the whole shopping cart with toilet paper and there was no more in the thing. And she had like, I'm talking all the rolls. It was packed up huge. The lady, other lady was asking for one. And by rights, she didn't have to give them. The supermarket person came and broke them up. But you're watching this, and she still didn't give the lady even one pack. And you just went, wow, you're kidding me. Life has come down to, I have 10 packets of four rolls of toilet paper, and she has none, and you're going to fight to the death because I'm not giving it up. Wow. That's where we go. That's where we're going for those who do not understand how to overcome trouble in this world through Christ. Turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Are you with me, guys? Yes. See, social distancing is what the new term is. And it's told to us to try to interrupt the viral chain by breaking the resistance of the virus. We got to break the distance of the virus, I meant. Now, that does not mean that we don't encourage one another daily and still don't meet people's needs. I had Afonso and Kenji come in the house today with Devon and Diego, and they set up for me. And I just was like a nice, kind usher at the table. I didn't get up. But when they came, I said, hey, guys, how you doing? Can you get to the sink, wash your hands, and dry them off? That's the new standard. Then we come in. I sprayed vinegar all over this uh, beautiful podium that Afonso brought. <laughs> but above that, this is what we can do. 
See, social distancing does not mean isolating to just be selfish, because we've already been doing that. The planet's been doing that for a long time. Yeah, that's true. It means serving those in need, the aged, the sick, the vulnerable, without recourse. And it means encouraging one another daily. And that's why we're going to have a, uh, a meeting at 2.30 for the, uh, for the members uh, to really not only understand that we need to stay connected and focused and organized, but we're going to learn to use uh, Zoom. And then I've also asked Paige and Pamela, uh, excuse me, Age and K Pamela McClinton. I don't know what happened. Turn the page. Ace and Pamela McClinton. I think the coronavirus is getting in. Ace is laughing right now. He's laughing right now on the couch. Anyway, I've asked them to give us a little charge and help us understand, you know, give us some good advice and and, so, and what they are gleaning from this time. Uh, and it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Yes. Are we giving thanks right now in this circumstance? I'm not saying thank you for the coronavirus. No, thank you for this opportunity for me to learn. What are you saying, God? What am I supposed to learn from this trouble? To be anxious and fearful and just fend for myself and not care about anybody else? No. Maybe some of us are supposed to learn that life is so fragile and we haven't been attentive to our souls the way we need to and we've taken for granted the forgiveness of sins and we've allowed subtle sins to get in our hearts, criticalness, bitterness, lukewarmness, Lack of striving to pray and grow and love and become more and more like Jesus, making every effort like the Bible says. Maybe this is a time where you're going to go, wow, I really, I really am not guaranteed tomorrow. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 24, verse 36. So another word for the virus, I think the official word is COVID-19. And the fear it generates must not be exploited as a means to marginalize and mistreat. It is not a foreign virus, but an epidemic to our common nature as humans, and thus a means of drawing us together for the good of all. That's what God's doing. It is not our opportunity as people of God and Christ to bear witness. We need to be sharing and helping people not in a way where you got to get right with God. Go, I am so grateful for what I have in the Lord because I am totally surrendered and at peace. Would you like to know about my God? Sin has always been worse than the COVID-19 virus. Sin. Sin has been worse. We sh if this wasn't here, everybody would be going along just like every day. And let's look at this scripture because it fits perfect for today. In verse 36, Matthew 24, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken, the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will appear. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming... He would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants of his household to give them their food in their proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. 
And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him to a place with the hypocrites. There will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. See, this has always been a statement from God. Even a man that died, Jesus tells a parable. He did not pay attention. He did not put God first. He went about his business, and it doesn't even say he had any obvious sins, except it shows that he did not love God with all his heart, soul, and strength, or care about others, because there was a beggar right at his door he did not do anything about, and he could. He died, and it says he went to hell. And he begged God, talking to Abraham, because the beggar died and went to heaven, and he says, please, God, please. And he said, no, you can't come. Once you die, your eternity's fixed. And besides that, there's a chasm between you and them. They cannot go to you. You cannot go to him. But the funny thing is, it does not appear to show that the uh, beggar was aware of the rich man in hell, but it shows the people in hell were aware where they were and there was another option and they couldn't go to heaven. Jesus says, you know what? He says, the guy says, listen, I, I, I have five brothers. Please, if, if someone goes to them and someone can have someone raised from the dead, then, then they'll believe. And Jesus says, no, no, if they have the Bible, they have Moses and the prophets. If they don't believe the word of God, even if someone rises from the dead, they won't believe. And Jesus was talking about himself. I'm going to die. I've died. And generations and generations of people go about their business and die in their sin, their virus, their unsaved state. Yeah. Look in Genesis chapter 4, and let's look how powerful this virus of sin is. You can't see it. Come on. You can't see any virus that you get sick with. You can't see the virus of sin, but you sure can understand the, re the results and the consequences like you can of getting the flu, pneumonia, or cancer. In the course of time, Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must rule over it. Here is the principle of the most deadly virus ever. It's the sinful nature. Yeah. The wages of sin is death. The gift of the vaccine of God is eternal life. Amen. Let me tell you something. Sin is crouching at our doors. You can't see it, but you can commit it. And when you step into the virus of sin, what happens? You think you're okay for a while. Whatever the incubation period is of sin. Some, you know, there's not like a regulation. They say the coronavirus is 15 days. You could be walking around singing, running miles, bench pressing, doing everything, feeling 100%, but already, you already got it. Just like HIV. Sin, when you commit sexual immorality and have sex with different partners and don't look at the Bible as serious, what happens? You learn how to get bitter. You get hurt in a way that you, you were never created to be hurt emotionally. Uh, your, the makeup is damaged because God never intended for us to swap our DNA in a sexual relationship with more partners than just your spouse because it's the closest thing. So you get so close that you can't handle getting so close where they be, you become idols. And then when that's broken off and trust is broken, people uh, are bitter the rest of their life. Yeah. People have hatred. They look at life as a jaded nightmare. What about the sexual diseases? 
the pregnancies unwanted? What about the sexual sin of impurity and pornography? What about molestation and rape? These are all sins that come from not obeying God's word at being absolutely pure and respecting the gift of sex that God created. What about lying? Deceit is never good. Deceit destroys your relationship with God, and you may think you're getting away with it, and people don't know you're lying, but there's still a weirdness between you and those people. They can't put their finger on it, but there's a weirdness because we're spiritual beings. We can sense something's not clear. Yeah. And, when, and God won't be mocked, and it does come up, and it destroys 20 years of what you thought maybe had a, was a relationship, and it's not. Sin is crouching at your door. You can't see sin. We can't see in each other's hearts. God can. God is a great physician. The Bible says what comes out of your heart is really what the problem is. How you think. Are you self-centered? Are you selfish? Do you just think about your day? Every day, is it just about you and what you're going to do? That was never the God's plan. He says, I already have you covered if you walk with me. Now I'm going to use you to help others understand what it means to be covered. Because I want them to know me. So I'll take care of you now that you understand my plan and you go and get them. I got a couple more scriptures for you. You guys with me? So sin crouching at your door. Cigarettes. I used to smoke cigarettes. Let's just give that example. Nicotine. It's the most addictive drug on the planet. See, people go, well, it's my choice. You're right. We go back to freedom of choice. God gave you choice. And if you're watching and you happen to be a smoker, don't feel attacked. Just listen. I smoked for 10 years. And I'm giving an example of that. When I knew that that was sin... Because not only was it hurting my body, and we know that physically your body's a temple, it was an idol. And what an idol is, the Bible says, is that something that you need to go to as what you think is a substitute for the real God. It gives you a temporary comfort, or you think a deceiving comfort, or an ease. Like, if I smoke a cigarette and I'm tired, it will help me fill up. If I'm really stressed out and I take a drag of a cigarette, it'll calm me down. But the biggest fact I hated about that sin was in, in, in alcohol and drugs and sexual immorality and impurity and greed and lying and every other sin. Once you start sinning, you got to keep sinning because it's contagious. The nature takes you over. You cover one lie after another, and pretty soon lies aren't really lies anymore. It's your native language. And then you rationalize, I'm not lying in a bad way. I'm lying because I don't want to hurt his feelings, or she won't understand, and it's just best not to let him know. Now your whole inner thought process is totally gone. Sin is destruction. Just like a disease. Look in Luke chapter 12, verse 14. Where are you today? Well, brothers and sisters, I hope that as members of the Orlando International Christian Church, that you're stronger than ever and you've been brought together even more united in this opportunity that God's given us to really praise God have quiet times with God, and then value the fellowship that we had so freely in a different way, but now we can have it just as much. I hope you realize that being in God's family and having God to go to at any time you want, maybe now you're starting to understand God's drawing you to him, and that might be the reason for you. That's a good reason. In Luke 12, 14, it says, Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you. This guy comes up after Jesus gives a huge, powerful sermon, and he doesn't hear one word. 
All he's thinking in his brain is the inheritance that they got, and he's ticked off that his brother is hoarding. He must be the older brother, and he's getting more of the inheritance. So Jesus is talking about warnings and sin and repentance. If you look above in chapter 12, he gets done delivering a powerful sermon, and the guy comes up instead of saying, whoa, that was a powerful point, what you were saying, Lord. That's incredible. He comes up and goes, man, he comes up in verse 13, like, can you tell my brother to give my inheritance? He's thinking about himself. Yeah. And Jesus just looks at him. And you can see Jesus was always self-controlled, but you know, gosh, he, we learned from him he had self-control and patience. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't sin, but I'm sure he's like, oh, my goodness. He goes, man. And so when he says it, Jesus just looks at him, man, who appointed me judge or arbitrator between you? He's like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> you are so far gone God Almighty's word was just preached and your soul is still on standby because you're so self-focused on what you don't or, or what you think you should get. Yeah. We can hear the word of God. We can read the word of God and go right over our heads. Yeah. Now look what he says as he goes on because he goes, well, I thought I was done preaching, but I guess I'm going to have to keep going. So he told them this parable. See, Jesus was always ready with the word of God. As disciples, we need to be always ready. Amen. You're going to have that guy or girl comes up and says something that just they're clueless. And you're not critical. You're just like, okay, let me switch gears here. Let's talk. Let me, let me share something else. He told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store up my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then... Who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. There is so much in God's word, but the thing I want us to focus on now is if this guy here that Jesus is talking about in this parable was alive, he would be a guru for writing books and teaching people how to build businesses and be wealthy. Yeah. And there's in itself nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, is everybody puts everything into that. Yeah. Everybody, because it doesn't really say he did any obvious sin, except the only thing I can notice is that he never, there's no one else included in his, in his, uh, in his, in his dream. I, he said to himself, he said, he says, this is what I'll do. He said to himself, you have plenty things laid up for you. Then he says, eat, drink, and be merry. Take life easy. All about him. Even when he's asking himself questions, he says, what shall I do? What shall I do? I'm not going to ask him. What shall I do? No advice. Just I. What am I going to do? I have no place for my crops. I have so much. Instead of giving back and helping others, yeah. this is what I'll do. I'll take all the overabundance of what I have, and I'm going to build bigger barns so I can put all my stuff in the barns for me. And that's where I'll store all my stuff. And then I'll say to myself, yes, yes. take life easy. I'm going to eat, drink, and be married. I, I, I. And then Jesus comes in and says that God says this in verse 20. You fool. This merry life, this, ver this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Do you understand? Forget about the coronavirus. 
act like life was going on and everything's fine and we're doing business as usual. This never happened. Let's go back three weeks. Let's go back a month. This never happened. We're cranking, loving, driving. Some of you are prospering in business. You're getting raises. You just bought a new car. You're fired up. It doesn't matter. Because if you're not rich toward God, you're a fool. Because this very night, me and all of you, your life could be demanded. Tonight, your life, you'll die in bed not of coronavirus. Coronavirus. Yeah. You won't die tonight of that. You'll die somewhere else. Millions of people are dying right now not of corona yeah. or yeah. COVID-19. Millions of people die a week. And a lot, most of them aren't. 95% are dying of other things other than COVID-19. So are you a fool? If you're not rich toward God, how are you rich toward God? Well, you love God with all your heart and you learn what that means, soul, strength, and mind. That means you serve God because to love God is to love others more than yourself. To love God is to love God's word and open up your heart and learn to obey and learn to be honest with others and be real when you're not obeying and be willing to be humble and share the ugly parts of your heart because God sees them anyway. And go, there's nothing more important than living and growing and serving God. Closing out, let's go to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. And let me ask you as you're turning there, why do you save money? Why are you saving for retirement? To buy more expensive vacations or cars? To be happy and carefree? Jesus challenges us to think beyond earthbound goals and to use what we've been given for his kingdom. Faith, service, and obedience are ways to grow rich according to God's kingdom values in the Bible. Giving to God's kingdom, whether serving on the front line and going on mission teams, giving missions contribution in Orlando, we have ours coming up, and I really pray to God you don't allow uh, Satan to block your heart or mind from believing with all your faith, faith and coming through because the missionaries out on the fields in the churches are on the line. Come on. And Come on, you friends. thank God can't handle a coronavirus, but you know what? If you don't handle your fear, God can't be involved. Be generous and be faithful. Amen. Hebrews 9, 24. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself. I can't wait to enter heaven itself. Yeah. Now to appear for us in God's presence. Remember 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 1. In the presence of God and in Christ Jesus and in viewing of his appearing. So this is awesome. So in verse 25, it says, Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is now not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the accumulation of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. To do away with the coronavirus, sinfully speaking. Because see, the coronavirus, you can still go to heaven. But sin, unforgiven, you won't go to heaven. Verse 27. Just as people are destined to die once by whatever cause of death. Yeah. After that, to face judgment. That's that word, judgment. Get ready, embrace it. If you're scared of it or angry at it, you're not right with God. So get over your pride and your defensiveness and going, there's got to be other gods. How dare Christianity makes it so narrow? No, forget about all that. God created the world and you were born out of your mother. And you had nothing to do with it. So just get on board and realize there's one God and he wants to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But if you continue to resist and stay in your sinful nature, you make the choice to face a dreadful judgment. Yes. Verse 28. 
So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. Not everyone, many. See that? And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That's my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures ever since I became a Christian because it just made it so clear what I have to do to be ready for judgment. And that was where I needed to get peace of mind. I had no peace of mind when I started to realize where I'm at with God and I couldn't emotionally justify it because my emotions, I realized that is stupid. And then I went to an authority outside of myself and I started to obey God's word by faith and I started to get closer to God and go, God is real. I experienced his power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And you know what? I know I'm going to die. I knew that before I studied the Bible. Everybody knows they're going to die. They just don't think about it. But at death, I know I'm going to face God in judgment. As a Christian, I'm going to stand for God in judgment because he's going to say, are you really genuinely what you said you were on earth? Because I'm looking behind the scenes. I'm looking at your mind and your heart, not looking at what you said and how you looked on Sundays. I'm walking with you and I'm looking and I will now prove if you're genuine or not. And you need grace. It's all grace. But did you abuse it? So Christian, non-Christian will face judgment. But if you're truly walking in the light, strong in the grace, how you respond after sin shows who you are. Repentant, humble, change. Repentant, Humble change. Then you're going to be fired up. And you're going to be that people that is included in the many. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. Why didn't he say the whole world? He said God so loved the whole world. He did. He sent Jesus down. His whole hope was every single human being that ever lived or will live. He wanted to understand truth of the love message from, from how God wanted them to come to him and obey. But we see even in the old Testament, they didn't obey and he had to send even plagues that weren't even invented back then either. Be grateful. If you're one of the many that do have the humility to surrender, study the Bible, repent and really read and understand the way of life and be humble and let other disciples teach and train and be in each other's lives and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus every day, walking in the light, waiting for him to come. Whether there's a pandemic or not, when the pandemic's over, we should still live like there's a pandemic, not in fear, but anticipation that any time the world could end. He's going to appear a second time. Amen. Not to bear sin. He's not dying again. We're not going to get down and have heartsy talks and let's get into your heart. No, it's over. When it's over, it's over. The second coming comes, it's over. When you die, your eternity's fixed. It's over. No chance back. So he's going to come and he's going to appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. All people die physically, but Christ died so that we would not have to die spiritually. We have wonderful confidence in the saving work that God continues to work in each of us. The saving grace that's changed our hearts, that continues to help us die to sin, overcome sin, and be continuously forgiven of our sin, past, present, and future. He has forgiven our past sin by the death on the cross, sacrificing himself once for all. He has given us the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit from Acts 2, 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, and all who are far off. Then he warned them, and he pleaded with them with many other words, save yourselves from this corrupt, sinful nature. In this generation, and those who accepted his vaccine, the message of the cross, the forgiveness and the blood of Jesus, the vaccine that overcomes all sin, were baptized. And 3,000 entered the kingdom of God that day, and they're waiting. They're cheering us on. 
He appears before God, Jesus, to re represent us now in heaven. He's there right now representing you in heaven and interceding for you when you're in sin and when you're struggling. He's our eternal high priest, and he promises to return and raise us to eternal life in a world where sin will be banished in a new heaven and new earth, and to God be the glory. Come on.